friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. It's the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton, the founder and chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm your host for this podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, who is the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good evening. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You just got back from a week in Florida. What was that like? Oh, it was fantastic. And and how would you describe the, the beach down there? Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. We went down to Anna Maria Island, a little south of, of Tampa. And luckily, we were there the week before Memorial Day. So we, we beat a lot of the crowds and mm. had a nice time. Wow. Well, it's good to have you back. You look very relaxed, very <laughs> calm. Must have been a, a good relax. Yeah. Taylor, I'm really excited about today's podcast and our guest today, Sean Bradley. I've had the, the fortune of knowing Sean for, I'm, I'm guessing now, seven, eight years. I uh, got to know him as a, one of my colleagues as a Vistage chair, and he just he's got an amazing background. And I think it's going to make for a really interesting podcast today. So, Sean, I want to welcome you to the Small Business Matters podcast. Good to have you with us. Great to be here, Tim. Taylor Sean was born and raised in Green Bay, Wisconsin. In 1978, he's, he's a, he was a U.S. Naval Academy graduate, along with having a MA, a Master's in Educational Leadership from Western Michigan University. After serving both overseas and afloat as a U.S. Naval officer, he transitioned to civilian life, entering the staffing industry, specializing in placing military personnel into positions all over corporate America at no cost to the service member. He was a vice president, general manager at the Atlanta-based Lucas Group. And in 1991, he co-founded Bradley Morris, BMI, his own company, which had crazy growth, five offices nationally with 150 people, putting over 15,000 veterans in the industry with sales, annual sales exceeding $15 million. His company was recognized by the White House and by the Small Business Administration as the top small company in all of Georgia. He sold his company, his interest in the company in 2007, and then he went about writing a book, which I've read and really enjoyed, called The Small Business Veteran, My Journey from Lambeau Field to the White House. Uh, Sean currently serves as as a Vistage Chair, as I mentioned, an award-winning, I should say, and highly recognized Vistage Chair. He's got three CEO groups that he's responsible for, 45 Atlanta-based business leaders in small, medium-sized companies. And Taylor, over past years, he has coached 60 youth sports teams, ranging from six-year-olds all the way through high school. Uh, Sean and his wife Libby live up in Ackworth. They have five adult children. So Sean, welcome again. We're very pleased to have you with us tonight. Great to be here, Tim. So Sean, we always start off with the first question, and that question is, what is it that you do that matters to small business? Well, right now, I'm currently a Vistage chair, and my membership is comprised of uh, small and medium-sized companies. Small is really in the eye of the beholder. There's a lot of medium-sized companies that still think of themselves as small, and uh, they are the backbone of, of America. A lot of them are founders or people that have come on and uh, taken the place of the founder, and they they are... Uh, you know, my experience has been they are fantastic people, talented, incredible integrity. And what I do is uh, the groups that, that I lead, they get together and they help each other with all the challenges that 
go on with running a, a small company. You know, having been in that position myself, it is it can be lonely. You know that you don't have all the answers. And a Vistage group is a place where there's people who understand what it's like to be in the saddle. Running a company can learn from each other and get help with the challenges that they may not know what to do. Sean, I'm, I'm curious in your background. I think my dad gave probably the most in-depth bio that we ever had on this podcast, which was, which was great. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about your, your time uh, as CEO of the, the staffing company and uh, really how you got to that point in your career. When I left the Navy, I served eight years as an officer and uh, three years on a carrier, aircraft carrier, two years in, um, over in Spain. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do when I, when I left the service. And there was a small industry back then that placed military people, uh, academy grads like myself, people with strong leadership experience. I had uh, on my ship, I had about 100, 100 guys that uh, reported to me. And, uh, you know, good educational background, good leadership experience. The people with that background were of interest to corporate America. And so, again, there was a small industry back then that, that placed people like me. And when I got out, the people that I was dealing with got me really good interviews. KPMG, back then it wasn't known as KPMG, but uh, uh, J&J, Pepsi, Abbott Labs, uh, Mobile Oil, et cetera, et cetera. But at a certain point, I thought to myself, you know, I was single at the time. I had saved some money. And when you spend time at sea, you're not spending it. So, uh, <laughs> so I had some money saved up. And, uh, but at a certain point, I thought to myself, if all these jobs that these guys are trying to put me into are so good, why aren't they doing them? You know, they see them first. So it occurred to me that what they do must be better. So the next one that called me up was the Lucas Group. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to do what you do. And that led me to uh, getting a job with the, the Lucas Group. Their military office in Atlanta had been defunct for a couple of years. They were starting it back up. So I came to Atlanta, didn't know anybody. Uh, actually met my future wife the first day and uh, met my future partner the first day of training. And uh, we were very successful at the Lucas Group. My first year, we placed four people. That was 87. In 1990, we placed 400. It was unbelievable, the growth we had. In 91, uh, myself and Sandy Morris started Bradley Morris in a 250-square-foot executive suite down the Galleria. And... Uh, didn't take out any loans, uh, self-funded it. And uh, years later, I was interviewed on, uh, on TV and because um, we got that SBA award. And they said, uh, well, I see you didn't take out any SBA loans. And uh, I said, no. I said, well, how come you didn't? And this is the truth. It never occurred to us <laughs> that anybody would ever loan us money. <laughs> so we never even asked. And uh, so we grew the company. And uh, had a great run, and um, you know we're had you know about 150 people, and it was really um, it was quite a it was quite a ride. Sean, I'm curious as you describe that you describe your experience as a as a an officer on a ship, and then you know running your own company and being responsible for your people there. Compare and contrast those two experiences. How similar were those experiences, and how were they different? The leadership fundamentals are the same. You know, it, it, there's very little leadership-wise that I've done in the civilian world that I didn't learn in the military. 
And and I know I had fantastic people that I learned from in the military. I mean, I was very fortunate. I've, frankly, I've always been fortunate to have had great people to work for and to learn from, whether it was in the Navy, whether it was Art Lucas at the Lucas Group or whoever. But I will tell you the, the biggest difference with running my own company uh, along with Sandy was the level of responsibility. You know, I, I was, I would see, I was the guy. And on my ship, I was not captain of the ship. And maybe if I had been ca- the ship captain, uh, I might have felt the same way. But there's differences. I remember I had a, one of my classmates uh, came to, to work for me after, after he retired. And he, uh, he said, uh, and he had a big job in the Navy. And um, he wasn't captain of the ship, but he had a senior position. And he said, you know, Sean, your job at Bradley Morris is kind of like mine was on, the, on my ship. And I said, his name was Vance. I said, well, Vance, you're right. But there's three things that, that I can think of that are different. One is if you make a mess, a tour is 18 months. The next guy is going to clean up your mess. If I make a mess, I'm going to have to clean up my own mess. Hmm. So I'm much more careful about making a mess in the first place. Okay. The other is, you know, the government decides what your people get paid. You have no say in that. I determine what people get paid. And so that's different. I said, but probably the biggest difference is if your people don't show up for work on Monday, they go to jail. They're in the military. They're UA. If my people don't show up on Monday, I'm toast. So I have to make sure that everybody that works for me feels valued and feels like they've got a a future with, with, with our company and feels that they have a good enough deal that uh, is worth well, for them to come to work. That's very interesting. So wait, I always like having uh, Vistage chairs. We've had a few on this podcast before because they always give us a little bit of a, a pulse uh, into what's going on with small businesses. So uh, without divulging too much detail into specific members, you know, what are some of the themes that are, are going on in your meetings or that you're hearing regularly um, now that we're where we are in the world in 2021? I would say right now there's there's probably three things that uh, are uh, certainly are, are the issues of the day. One is the supply chain. Everybody is feeling the, the pinch. In fact, I, recently I had a good friend of mine who works with Fed Express uh, do a webinar for all my members because there's a lot of information out there and a lot of it's not accurate. So he's at the epicenter of this. So I had him come, come and talk to all my members and uh, about what's going on, why it's going on, what they see as the future, and then what each member can do to navigate the supply chain issues as best they can. Okay. Two, with the, the unemployment uh, subsidies that have been given, there's a, a lot of uh, people in particular, the, the under $20 an hour range, that uh, people are not going back to work. And, you know, the, the unemployment that they're getting is more than they might be making at, at whatever company that, that is. And you could say, well, they should be making more money than that. Maybe that's not enough money. And that's that's a, probably a conversation for another day. But a lot of the jobs at the lower level, people have a choice between going back to work, making less money than they can make by being on the, on the un- unemployment. And the third would be anxiety. You know, we're talking owners of companies, uh, whether there's going to be a change in the capital gains rate. 
Mm. You know, if, if somebody's interested in selling their company, what is the impact of that? Last year, capital gains were X. Well, there's talk about capital gains tax being 2X. And that is creating some anxiety on, on what decisions people should make about uh, whether to sell or not sell their company. Sean, I want to follow up on that question. You know, some have said that last year, the COVID year was a, a laboratory of sort in terms of leadership and management in business. What did you see from your members last year between the ones who were successful in guiding their companies through COVID and, and through a, a, a recession versus ones that maybe weren't as successful? In terms of leading their companies, what worked last year in what were very difficult circumstances? What I saw, unless they were in an industry that was just destroyed, for example, the uh, uh, if you owned a restaurant, and even I, I don't have any members that uh, have uh, that own restaurants. Anybody who's listening, if they own a restaurant, they're interested in being a Vistage Group. I, 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 I'd, love to, I'd love to have somebody. Come on, Tim. I, could, I couldn't resist that. Um, but in general, what I saw was very few of my companies, or my member companies, did poorly. Even if they were in industries that were hit hard, for example, the staffing industry. They, they got through it, okay? So, but the vast majority of my members did okay or well or unbelievably well. And so why, why was that? I mean, they, I mean, there was hits. I mean, make no mistake. And, and the PPP money helped, okay? And 100% of my members all got PPP. Uh, one of my members had a uh, relation with a community bank that, uh, you know, so one of the things that did happen was if you had a re- relation with a, one of the national banks, you went to the back of the line mm-hmm. and you were not given the service that a community bank could could provide to you. And so one of my members had a, was, is a CPA and uh, she had a relationship with a community bank and there were other community banks that, that, that really stepped up and made a difference. But what I saw was, you know, I believe relationships are, cannot be built when you need them. They have to be in place. And good leadership has to be in place. Mm-hmm. And so my members are, are, are strong leaders, quality people. And when the, when the cold wind hit, there were relationships they had, they had with their people and with their, their vendors and with their customers. And they got through it. And I'll, I'll say something else, that running a company is a lonely thing. And when tough times hit... However hard it is, it's a lot harder alone. And so there was a, a lot of things that happened within the groups where people helped each other, answers to questions. The Vistage at large was the gold standard with just PPP, EIDL, COVID protocols, because people were people didn't know what to do. And there were a lot of questions that were answered, not just within the group, but uh, with Vistage at large, that really made a difference in helping people to guide them through what to do. So tell us a little bit about, you know, taking a step back. Why did you decide to become a Vistage chair? And tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, when I sold my interest in Bradley Morris, I was young, relatively young, uh, early 50s. And, uh, you know, I took some time off. You know, I pressed the, I'd never really taken a day off of work in, uh, you know, 60 and a half years. 
So I pressed the coast button pretty hard. You know, wrote a book, worked out uh, every day, hung out with my wife. I mean, it was good and fun. At a certain point, I thought, you know, I wanted to get back in the game. But I didn't see anything that really I could be as passionate about as I was in in what I had done before, whether it was the Navy or, or whether it was Bradley Morris. And so I was looking, but not real aggressively. I kind of was waiting for something to come up and hit me. You know, I didn't know what really what that looked like. And there was a guy I went to the Naval Academy with who's a fellow Vistage chair. He was running Vistage in the Southeast at that time, uh, Larry Costadius, who's a, who's a really good guy. And he and I knew each other. He used to be in the military recruiting world. And we, we were not great friends, but we were friends. And uh, I've just gone through my contacts. Eh, I haven't talked to Larry in a while. So we got together. And uh, not, again, I don't know that he's running Vistage in the Southeast. And he said, uh, you know, you ought to be, be a Vistage chair with your background. And I said, what's Vistage? I had never heard of it. I didn't know what it was. And he described it to me. I said, you got to be kidding me. Something like that exists. And I thought back to my time at Bradley Morris and what I wouldn't have given to have been part of a group when there's a lot of times I didn't know what to do. You know, I mean, I, I sense that most of the people on the, the, the podcast are probably small business owners. And if they felt like me, um, there's a lot of times I didn't know what to do. My people thought I knew what I was doing, <laughs> I guess. And uh, <laughs> it was like, I'm glad you all think it. But we went through a, a time at Bradley Morris when we got the award, went to the White House, all that cool stuff. And we did $15 million, uh, in change. And um, as we were coming back in 2001, that recession was hitting the ground or was hitting. And, and okay, you can deal with recessions and everything. Well, fast forward to that fall, 9-11 hits. And remember, we're a military recruiting firm. Nobody's allowed to get out of the military. So imagine being a, a paper manufacturer and all of a sudden there's no trees. <laughs> uh, what do we do? And now we pivoted and worked with people that uh, uh, had been out of the service a, you know, a couple, three years. Um, and there were some elements of the pockets of the military that were not, that were not stop lost, but it was brutal. Mm. I mean, uh, we went, our sales went from 15 million to six over a three year period. And I mean, everything in his brother is personally guaranteed small business. I mean, you know, your house is, uh, it, it is on the blocks. And, and we got a million dollar bank loan uh, from a bank that uh, believed in us. And um, again, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, we're, I really thought we were going down. Now we turned it around in 2004. And then by 2007, late 07, we were back 50 million change. Actually, the original 15 million wasn't even 15 million because there was a bankruptcy court Determined that a company that had given us six hundred thousand dollars shouldn't have. They should have given it to somebody else. So we had to pay that money back. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nobody has the power of a of a bankruptcy court judge. There is no appeal. So anyhow, and I look back at that time, and when I wouldn't have given to have been part of a group to maybe just talk me off the ledge mm-hmm. alone would have been would have been a difference maker, or maybe direct me into figuring out a better way. And uh, I didn't have that. And so when I found out what this was, I thought, this looks interesting and fun. And I met some of the people that were, were chairs, you know, pe- 
and the quality of my peers uh, in Atlanta was, you know, people like like you, Tim, and and others. And I thought these are really impressive people, and you know, they do this. This looks pretty, like it might be interesting and fun. And so I decided to give it a whirl, and and I really enjoy it. I, I really like what I do. Sean, I want to go back to your experience at Bradley Morris. I I find that many CEOs and business leaders struggle with defining their role as a leader in the company. What am I supposed to be doing? So how would you describe your role at Bradley Morris? What were you responsible for? Well, it evolved over time. You know, the first five years of the company, I was a, you know, a frontline recruiter along with my people. And, but over, as we grew, as we added offices, as, as our people uh, were, were able to move into, into more positions and, and frankly, I was very fortunate. We had, um, you know, a lot of companies say that uh, they have talented people. We had, we had a talent farm. There's no other word for it. I had, of the 150 people, I had 26 academy grads were at Bradley Moritz, which is a, probably a higher percentage of academy grads. Not that there's not people in the civilian world that are not as good or better, but it's nonetheless a high, a, a high quality cut of people. I, I, I'm pretty confident we had a higher percentage of academy grads in our company than any place on the planet, including the academies. So I had people that had leadership experience in their past that could move and lead. And that made a difference for us too. And so over time, what I, I really kept three things uh, as we grew. One was the culture. I felt the culture of the company was my primary responsibility. That the culture of the company starts with the person running the company. Two, that the most important thing I could do was bring in the right people. So there was never anybody that we hired that myself or my partner did not interview personally. And third, there was a marketing element that uh, uh, I kept control of. Part of what we did was bring in the candidates, high-quality candidates. We probably dealt with the top 20% leaving the military. We evolved to place not just officers, but uh, highly skilled enlisted technicians, electronics, techs, machinists, Navy nukes, uh, mechanics, those types of people. And we also did IT telecom, and we did medical. So we had four areas that, 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 we, that we did. But a lot of my people were smiling and dialing, you know, calling corporate America, trying to get business. But there was a an element that on the side that I did, I kept control of personally. And it was direct mail, it was uh, websites, it was getting testimonials, surveys, all that stuff, Because and that augmented their efforts. And so uh, over time, my role evolved, um, but it, pretty much to the day I sold, I had control of those three things. Uh, Sean, you also mentioned that you had a business partner, and I know with my Vistage members that had partners, inevitably it seemed like there were always partner issues and sometimes a dissolvement of the company, kind of like divorces, uh, you know, same thing seems to happen with business partnerships. Talk about how, how was it that you were successful with your partner? My partner was very talented, very talented. And while it didn't start out this way, you know, we did a lot of the things uh, together, I suppose. And she was a frontline recruiter for a number of the early, early years as well. But what evolved over time was 
she pretty much did all the stuff that I wasn't good at and didn't want to do. Uh, I pretty much did operations and sales, although there were elements that she was involved in. And she made the trains run on time. She did the financial end of it, the IT, the legal, the leases, the, uh, the infrastructure of the company. And she was very talented. I mean, she was valedictorian of her high school class, voted most likely to succeed, had had her own business before. And so she was, you know, her father had, was the youngest guy in his battalion to work uh, or to jump with the 82nd in his battalion in, uh, on D-Day. So she had a military appreciation. She and I had not worked together. Um, she was from the Lucas group, but she had, it was in a different area. But I knew how talented she was. And it worked. And we put the same amount of money in, dollar for dollar. We split everything down the middle, dollar for dollar. There were never any issues with that. We kept each other's confidences. So, you know, the, the fundamental, not that there weren't issues, not that there weren't things that we didn't agree with, okay? That, that, that There certainly were those. But, you know, for a partnership to last 16 and a half years and be as successful as we were, the fundamentals were good. And I think sometimes people make mistakes when they go into business with their partner. They go into with their buddy. The problem is their buddy's just like them. And they both want to do the same thing. Well, somebody's got to do that other stuff. Well, I don't want to do it. Well, I don't want to do it either. Well, so so we were, we, we had complementary skills. And there is nobody that valued my partner more than me. Sean, last question before we uh, we turn it over to the rapid fire. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. I'm, I, I wonder what those are going to be. Let's keep on talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned, and I think it was in the, the bio as well, that you wrote a book. I would love to hear more about uh, your book and, and tell our audience a little bit about why you wrote it. In my industry... I wasn't the guy who created, I, I didn't create the industry, okay? When I, came, but when I came on, there was a, again, as I said, there was a small industry. If you were big time, and it, you probably placed 20 people a year, okay, maybe 30. At our peak at Bradley Morris, we placed almost 2,000, okay? So I wasn't the guy that created the industry, but I was at the launch pad when we industrialized it, Okay. And it, when I was back at Lucas, actually, when I, was, when I started with Lucas, I was greeted with, uh, I remember the, the first day, um, there was an offsite meeting and somebody asked me, what are you going to be doing? And uh, I said, well, I'm going to be recruiting military. Well, good luck. Nobody's ever made any money doing that around here. So it's like, okay. So remember, I, I said we placed four people the first year. Well, it really rolled to the point where Lucas had to change the sales chart. There was a top 10 in the company. and because nobody else could get on it. Nine of the top 10 people in the company were all mine. So they created a military only sales chart and then a sales chart for everybody else in the company. Because nobody else could get on it. We're thinking that's a far cry from nobody ever making any money around here. But in any event, all those people eventually became the leaders or the founders of the three major companies that to this day, dominate that industry. There's the Lucas Group, Bradley Morris, and a company called Orion. And at one time, they were all mine. I heard them all. So people knew that I was at the launch pad. And people, when I, when I sold my interest to Bradley Morris, people said, Sean, you need to write the book. You need to write the book. You need to write the book. And the day I sold, retired, left, whatever you want to call it, 
uh, there was a big party and everything. And I stayed up late and I wrote down a bunch of things just so I wouldn't forget them. And because I things I'd seen work and about 10 pages of things, put it away, didn't look at it for, I don't know, for years. But my wife got really sick and almost died. And she was a big part of the, the company too, not operationally, but nobody succeeds running a company or certainly founding a company without somebody who believes in them. And my wife believed in me. And so I, I felt after she recovered and after football season, I had the time and people had said, you need to write the book. And so I thought, okay, if I'm going to do it, now's the time. And uh, I knew a guy who wrote a book and, you know, and he was a good guy, but he certainly wasn't Ernest Hemingway. And I thought, you know, if he can write a book, you know, I can do it too. And so I thought, so I started and I'm, I read a lot that uh, I'm a big reader. So I, I kind of have a appreciation for at least how books are formatted. And uh, so I started and um, arguably certainly the hardest or one of the hardest things I've ever done. And the reason it was so hard was not, it's not like I didn't know the story. I mean, I lived the story. So it's not like I was writing a novel, but it was isolating. And I've always been a team guy, always almost had a need to be with other people. And there's nothing more isolating than writing a book. I mean, Tim, you wrote a book. You, I mean, multiple books. You're a, you're a multi-book author. You're, you're in the big leagues. I wrote one. and there was, I'm a one-and-done guy. But I, I wrote it. I'm proud of it. Uh, I, I haven't marketed it that well. That really wasn't my purpose. But the people at Bradley Morris that read it, they were my true audience. You know, did I capture it? Because we had a great company, and every single one of them told me that you caught it. You, what you wrote about was what it was like. And that made me feel very proud. And Taylor, I mentioned earlier that I, I read the book and I really enjoyed it. Would highly recommend it to our listeners. The book, again, is Small Business Veteran, My Journey from Lambeau Field to the White House. So, Sean, now we've hit my favorite part of the, the podcast. It's a rapid-fire question. The way this works is that uh, Taylor's going to ask you questions. You're going to respond with short answers. I'm the scorekeeper. Uh, I'm betting on you. Sean, I'm betting on you. Taylor, take it away. All right. We'll start with an easy one. So uh, what is your favorite business book or podcast? Business book. I don't read that many business books. Okay. I read a lot of military history, but one I just read that was really good was uh, Hot Seat by Jeff Imelt. Uh, the uh, CEO of GE that talks about what it was like to succeed Jack Welsh and during the uh, 2008 implosion and everything else that was going on. I, I thought that was really good. So since you are a, uh, sounds like a football fan and uh, have quite a bit of coaching experience, uh, who is your favorite football coach, past or present? The, my favorite coach is Tim McFarland, who's uh, was a longtime head coach at uh, Blessed Trinity uh, excuse me, three-time state champion, Blessed Trinity uh, Catholic, where I've coached for 15 years. And he's an awesome man and a great coach. Very cool. Right. While you were in the Navy, what was your favorite port of call? Whoa. <laughs> that, that, okay, the nicest place that I have ever been on the planet is Singapore. 
Wow. Now, you could say, I mean, so clean, you could almost do surgery on the on the city streets. Now, I guess when you have a benevolent dictatorship, you can <laughs> you can get things the way that you want them to be. But uh, that that was unbelievable. All right, and now I I, I understand you are an, a Green Bay Packer fan. Uh, what is your favorite Lambeau Field experience as a kid, or as an adult? Could be either. My favorite experience there, I, when I talk about Lambeau Field in the book, was uh, I sold peanuts at Packer games growing up. And I loved it. I learned, to, it, it's crazy, but I got four cents a bag. And I'm going to ask you a question, Taylor. I, I was the top 72 peanut salesman. And uh, so how many bags of peanuts do you think I sold? Give me a number. A game? A game. A game, a uh, hundred. Oh, come on. Do better than that. More than that? 500. 500. Keep on going. Thousand? 600. 600, 600 bags of peanuts a game. But wow. I, learned to, I learned to love commission sales. I learned to <laughs> work hard. There was a, it was competitive. I, I learned, I, I sold their peanuts there from the time I was 13 to 17. And, uh, you know, fast forward. I got into recruiting. It was 100% commission business. And uh, I hired people that uh, wanted that kind of uh, environment, you know, that uh, they work hard, they, they can do really well. And so uh, that's kind of what I did in my, for my career. That's awesome. Do you remember uh, your best day, best day, how many bags were sold? Well, they would only give you six boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they capped your commissions is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I had my best day every day. How about that? There you go. That's great. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. This is this is my dad's favorite question. Oh, this this is the this is the the one that's going to get me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Who plays Sean in the movie about Sean? Tom Cruise. What are you kidding me? Tom Cruise. There you go. <laughs> that was that was your easiest answer. Damn done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Taylor, we've got to work on better questions. Those I were, thought we had some good ones today, but yeah, he was he was on point. I did too. Friends, you've been listening to the uh, Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. Our guest this evening is Sean Bradley, Vistage Chair. Sean, it's been great having you uh, with us. Uh, if any of our listeners would like to contact you, what's the easiest way for them to reach you? Yeah, let me give you a t- two ways. Uh, my email and, and please, I'm happy to answer any questions that, that you all might have. Uh, if you're interested in looking at Vistage, I'm happy to, to talk to you about that too. Uh, it's Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. That's Sean, S-H-A-U-N dot Bradley at VistageChair.com. And my cell is 678-777-7142. Again, that's 678 678- Seven 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 one four two. Please, if you call me and I don't answer, leave a message. As like many of you, I get a lot of solicitors. So if it's a number I don't recognize and there's no message, it goes into the block file. So uh, if you want me to get back to you and I don't answer, I will. But leave a message. Taylor, I've got, as usual, a whole page of notes from our time with Sean. He talked about the advantage of peer groups for CEOs. I really enjoyed the way he distinguished 
leadership in, in a military environment uh, versus in a small business environment. He hit on a couple of the real big issues that small businesses are facing today, supply chain, labor shortage, uh, anxiety over, over uh, tax increases. And then, uh, you know, he really, I thought, painted a, a nice picture of his role as a leader within his company, what he was responsible for, culture, talent selection, and then overall marketing responsibility. How about for you, Taylor? What what takeaways did you have tonight? Yeah, a lot of the same points that you made. Again, I, I really enjoy kind of getting some of the key themes and uh, what small business owners are, are talking about today and the challenges that they face. Um, but again, always always like to hear about the peer groups and and how they support one another because as Sean said, I know it, it can be lonely and, and very difficult to be a, a leader in an organization. So always good to hear um, what peer groups are doing and, and how they can help small business owners. Sean, thank you so much for being with us tonight. Would love to have you come back again. I enjoyed it. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Taylor, a couple of quick announcements. Want to remind our listeners of the uh, our, our newsletter, the Small Business Matters newsletter. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe at our website, smallbusinessmattersonline.com. We just finished up our boot camp, Small Business Matters boot camp, and we'll be starting a new boot camp in August. Also, enjoying, I've got our two Small Business Matters mastermind groups meet every Monday. Those are going going well. Taylor, what have I left out? What else do we have going on? I think you've covered everything. So we have uh, a slate of upcoming podcasts. We have uh, another three or four scheduled over the next two weeks. So uh, those will be dripping into your your playlist soon. And I want to remind our listeners, want to thank you, our listeners, for being with us uh, tonight. Uh, Please uh, rate, review, subscribe to the Small Business Matters podcast. And finally, I want to uh, thank everyone for listening to this evening's podcast, the Small Business Matters podcast. It is the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.